Coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss GRU's Bears Bombard Burisma. Next up, Son of a Patch. NSA releases patch for Microsoft vulnerability. And finally, our sixth round of Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 34, recorded on January 21st, 2020. I'm your co-host, Kelsey, easier said than pun, LaBelle. With me, co-host Tarek, I survived Vegas. Salah, put that in there for you, so it's maybe half survival. (laughs) (laughs) And last but not least, Chad, Comic Sans isn't that bad of a font. Convince me otherwise, Anderson. You know, I've often thought about what kind of font I want on my gravestone, my tombstone, if you will, and I would say one and two would be Comic Sans, quickly followed by Wingdings. I knew Wingdings was going to be in there. It always should be. Yeah, but there's always Wingdings, too, if you get tired of the original Wingdings. Excellent. Maybe I can die twice. Yeah. This has been wonderful. I'm glad we're discussing fonts. It's very important. (laughs) Well, thank you all for being here. It's our second episode of the year. We're doing an extra quick turnaround for you, more than 12 hours, I guess, before releasing it to the wild. So we're excited to have some fun. Um, But let's get right into our articles today. Um, Our first one is GRU's Bears Bombard Burisma. So beginning in early November of 2019, the Maine Intelligence Directorate of the General Staff of the Russian Army, or the GRU, launched a phishing campaign targeting Burisma Holdings, a holding company of energy exploration and production companies based in Kiev, Ukraine. The phishing campaign identified as designated to steal email credentials, specifically usernames and passwords, of employees at Burisma Holdings and its subsidiaries and partners. So, Chad. Chad, 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 Chad. This isn't the first time Fancy Bear has made uh, headlines in an election year. Uh, as a fancy yoursnologist yourself, can you give us a quick download on some Fancy Bear U.S. history? Yeah, so uh, we'll do this like the last one. Um, fancy Bear, or also known as APT28, is a Russian-based espionage group that most attribute to the GRU, uh, which is the Russian intelligence agency, like you said. I also can't read that without thinking of the character from Despicable Me. Um, it's they've been around since at least 2008, but likely earlier. A lot of people put it back to 2004. Uh, and their big hit, of course, if you want to put it as like a you know billboard hit, platinum record, is hacking the Democratic National Convention emails um, and their attempts to influence the 2016 election. Along with that, they've hacked French television, the World Anti-Doping Agency, after Russia was banned from the Olympics for drug use, the Olympic Committee. Uh, dozens of attacks on journalists, most notably the Bellingcat Group, uh, that uncovered the men behind the downing of Malaysia Airlines Flight 17. Um, they aren't as known for disinformation campaigns as their counterpart, Cozy Bear, uh, but they do a decent amount of that as well. Uh, they're an interesting group to study, and a lot of their work is pretty sophisticated. I think we have to have a new rule for the podcast that whenever you say the word espionage, you have to do your best Sean Connery. Espionage. 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 Anyway, well said, Chad. Thank you for the update on that. So are there any tools that Fancy Bear leveraged in this campaign that we're talking about today that you found particularly interesting? 
Uh, not particularly. It's it's kind of their usual playbook, uh, and most everyone's usual playbook, really. Uh, but spear phishing emails that go to a website that looks legitimate. In this case, the, a lot of them looked like SharePoint. It's all about the lateral movement after that, and uh, you know the successful credential theft just lets them into the network. Um, it's all the stuff that we don't quite know yet, and what they moved around into the spear phishing for entry thing is just consistent everywhere, though it just keeps working. So why stop? A fair point. So what are the implications then of this campaign? Yeah, so the companies that they went after are all subsidiaries of Burisma Holdings, which is the company that you may uh, know as Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, sat on the board from, from 2014 to 2019. This is a holding company that is tied in with the whole Donald Trump impeachment thing that's going on right now. Um, or a thing, it's a trial, uh, technically. <laughs> but, um, uh, so it all ties to that quid pro quo bit, asking Ukraine to investigate the Biden family in exchange for um, international aid um, and all of that. It's interesting, to say the least, that those are the targets. And with all of that in mind, I can only imagine the theories that are running amok in the world of intelligence right now. So I'm curious which uh, which one of those have come into your world or, or different theories that you potentially think might have something to them. The Yeah, the, the one that I um, would probably agree with the most, uh, just because it's a pattern, is kind of this tactic of breaking into tertiary companies of a final target so that you can easily move in. Um, the smaller subsidiaries won't usually have as mature of a security team, so you can sneak in there, find out how they're connected, maybe drop some malicious documents and pivot into your main target's network. If that's the move here, then people are thinking this is an attempt to get information on Hunter Biden's time at Burisma Holdings and use that much like they did previously in the 2016 election with the DNC emails to influence the presidential election. Kind of the idea is if you just dump a trove of uh, these emails, people will find whatever they want to believe in there. It's like that whole true pinnacle of confirmation bias where uh, when these emails get read out of context. And I'm not saying there isn't anything shady that's going on in there. There may be, but it's pretty easy to sway public opinion um, with a document treasure trove being dumped because anything will be cherry-picked out of there. and People won't read the entire thing and just find what they're looking for. What? People don't read the entire thing? It's true. If Reddit has taught me anything, it's that you should only ever look at the title of something before you get offended in comment. Oh, it's best then we come up with a very good title for this episode. Exactly. <laughs> it's very important. So, Chad, a bit earlier you had mentioned uh, Cozy Bear, and I know we've had a lot of offline conversations about how that group is more invested in misinformation. And there's also been some news that's bubbled up this week about that APT. Can you speak to that a little bit? Oh, yeah. I, I saw some security Twitter um, bits go by, uh, other theories there with Cozy Bear. I guess they, um, they've they gone largely dark in some ways, you know, a lot quieter than usual or uh, entirely quiet. Um, and some people are theorizing that, uh, and this may be a little bit of a stretch, but they also may have more information than I do because um, I don't follow Cozy Bear super closely. But um, there, some folks are theorizing that the, that the attacks on U.S. cities um, have been, like the ransomware attacks, have actually been a smokescreen for some other Cozy Bear activities to influence elections that way, either through um, voting registration records or through actually changing the vote uh, as it's stored on servers that are owned by the companies that run those machines. So there was someone who found a 
image of a hacked uh, database that contained voter records that looked like it had been modified um, directly in Georgia uh, most recently. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of questions about what they're up to because obviously it's not like they all retired. Um, so I don't know. I hear they have pretty good retirement packages. They do. Important. You get a potato and a bottle of vodka. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you for for answering that question, Chad, and and diving into both of the bears. Um, So with that, let's pivot over, if you will, to the hoodie ratings for this discussion. Let's talk specifically, though, about Fancy Bear in this case, because that's what we dove into for the most part. So Tarek, again, thinking about your everyday organization, how concerned should you be about this particular campaign? You know, generally speaking, unless you're you know, organization or business is really kind of directly tied to uh, some of these domains or subsidiaries that are affected, you generally should be okay. There is the caveat that, you know, uh, small, medium businesses um, do get compromised by sophisticated uh, threat groups and, you know, your infrastructure can be leveraged for attacks outside there. So I don't want to say you're free and clear, but generally, unless your uh, organization's kind of involved in some of these like subsidiaries, you should be okay. This is a very similar conversation to what we discussed last week. Um, surrounding the current situation in Iran. And you brought up some great points about threat modeling and considering you know, how to prioritize based on your company's assets. And so I just wanted to bubble that up. I would definitely recommend listening into that previous episode. And Chad also had a great um, history lesson for us um, in terms of cyber relations between the U.S. and Iran. Uh, but Chad, what are your thoughts? What would you... And actually, Tarek... I never got a full rating from you. What would you put it at? You know, um, anytime that we see these types of APT-style attacks influencing um, and clearly going after, um, you know, uh, political uh, targets, I'd always want to bubble that up to something a lot higher, even though that maybe the average business wouldn't be affected. I think we're all affected globally by these kind of attacks. Um, I would rate this a solid 8 out of a 10. Cool, cool. You almost escaped without giving a hoodie rating. Dang it. Blasphemy. All right, Chad, what about you? Um, you know, I would go I would go even a little bit higher to 9 out of 10. Just, you know, like Tark said, it's not something that is likely to attack your company directly. Um, but this does affect the course of so many other things. Um, and it is a, is a real threat. And I think that the Russian intelligence groups are some of the most sophisticated. You see them doing really interesting false flag campaigns. Like we talked about uh, last week too, they actually uh, hacked some of the resources from um, one of the Iranian groups and leveraged that to uh, do some work for a little while. They're they're talented um, group of people, and uh, so it's you know they can they've already shown that they can accomplish a lot as in 2016. So um, I think it's something to pay attention to and just. Um, yeah, be mindful of in the whole world stage. Absolutely. Well said. All right. Well, let's move over to our next topic here. So next up, son of a patch. NSA releases patch for Microsoft vulnerabilities. So on January 14th, Microsoft released a set of patches for the Windows platform. And while all of the issues addressed in the patch release are serious, um, the article we're going to discuss um, talks about CVE 2020 so above anything else, we urge everyone to take action and patch up, patch Adams, do your thing. But I want to jump into this with Tarek and ask, what vulnerabilities were associated 
with uh, this particular CVE. Yeah, and uh, shout out to the NSA for uh, responsibly disclosing this, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But I'm going to refer to this CVE instead of that nice long string as Curveball. Um, that is the uh, name for this specific vulnerability because it affects ECC, the Elliptic uh, Curve uh, Cryptography Library. Um, and so uh, this isn't the first time or the last uh, that we've seen the NSA get their fingers inside of uh, Windows crypto vulnerabilities. And uh, this specific vulnerability is scoped out to any Windows 10, uh, Windows Server 2016, or Server 2019 operating systems. And essentially, this vulnerability only affects the Windows Crypto API. And this is an operating system level API that provides a ton of cryptographic functionality for any Windows operating system or the ones affected. And in this case, it's used for any time you try to do any encryption or decryption routines or generating random uh, numbers for uh, generating keys or things like that, as well as authentication uh, for digital certificates, you're hitting that Windows Crypto API live, uh, API. So the curveball vulnerability lies specifically in the validation or lack thereof in the certificate signature process with the Windows Crypto API. Speaking of curveball, going to throw you one. What is the public key infrastructure that's referenced in this vulnerability and what does this how does this or why does this make for such a serious vulnerability? Yeah, PKI uh, is a is a lot of things. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but it's essentially your infrastructure like your certificate authority, your policies to support it, etc. Um, that is the uh, really the underlying mechanism that systems use to help validate identities and software. Um, but why does this why is this vulnerability so serious? Um, well, this is a really serious high impact vulnerability. Uh, when you could fool the operating system to trusting a digital certificate, you could do all kinds of really bad things. So, for example, when I do traffic analysis um, on any kind of malware that I'm exploding in a VM of mine, I do essentially the same thing where I'm installing a certificate that I generated and I'm able to, for example, decrypt all HTTPS traffic on that endpoint. There's other malicious things that attackers could do by exploiting this vulnerability. So, for example, if you digitally sign a binary, um, in this case, a binary would be like a malicious executable or malware, this could affect how your antivirus software uh, really treats and trusts the executable. So, generally speaking, um, digitally signed binaries are whitelisted or given uh, more trust um, by Windows Defender and other uh, antiviruses as well. So, if it's whitelisted, some of that process data might not be inspected and um, uh, network data might not be inspected by the antivirus and you could really allow an attacker to have free control over the system. So that's that's pretty serious stuff. What could go wrong? <laughs> Everything. That is very concerning indeed. So what under what circumstances should organizations apply the patch then? Yeah, so if you have if you have operating systems that are like in the affected scope, so Windows 10 Windows Server 2016 or 19, which I assume most organizations, small to large, generally would be on one of those, um, you need to patch absolutely right away. Um, you know, the, once again, if you have the capabilities of um, bypassing a lot of uh, security controls through abusing um, the trust in that Windows Crypto API, uh, you really need to go ahead and patch. I, in this case, this. This will bypass a lot of your security controls, which could lead to some pretty high-impact uh, security uh, incidents if you let it happen. Excellent. So when in doubt, check, and then most likely you'll have to patch. Just patch. <laughs> so going back to what you put a pin in earlier in the discussion, 
it sounds like there's a lot of side chatter around not only the vulnerability, but how the patch was communicated and by who. It was fairly cryptic, if you will. So can you speak to that a little bit, Tarek? Yeah, it's always really interesting seeing in a post-Snowden era what the NSA does. Um, I think there's some, well, first off, like being completely objective, we have to be thankful that the NSA did a responsible disclosure on this and made Microsoft aware of the vulnerability, regardless of your feelings of the NSA. That is something we do have to be thankful for. There is the other side of the coin, too, where we kind of all collectively think to ourselves, was this potentially abused by the NSA before being made aware to Microsoft? And those are things we just generally don't know. So I think there's a lot of gray area here with the NSA and disclosing vulnerabilities. And I'll let everybody kind of make their own conclusions. Um, I generally find that things are very gray here, um, especially when you have the NSA contributing towards other vulnerability disclosures and, you know, towards open source software like Ghidra. There's some big positives, but I don't think anybody in the security community can really forget what happened with the uh, uh, and, uh, with the Snowden era stuff. Yeah, and they've had... Um... Wasn't it a while ago that people told everyone not to use elliptic curve because it was uh, NSA tied and that there had to be um, some sort of backdoor in it? There's a lot of paranoia around all that, but um, for good reason, I guess. It's (laughs) Exactly. Yep, exactly. They've always had their fingers in uh, crypto since the beginning, really, and I don't think that's going to change at all. So just before we hit our hoodie rating, how bad then is this really to give us a sense of impact. You know, if you have the ability to, once you have some sort of a foothold, um, and even then, uh, I I don't think the foothold is that tremendous that you need to have on these endpoints uh, because the vulnerability really lies in the the local API uh, for handling crypto stuff. Um, This is really serious. Um, The ability to uh, digitally sign uh, malware and have it potentially be uh, not inspected. Um, that's a huge one, um, as well as being able to decrypt encrypted traffic that is normally trusted so you can steal passwords and move laterally. Um, generally speaking, without being detected um, in more traditional senses, um, I, I would rate this one extremely concerning. And what would you rate that at, just to jump into that hoodie rating? This is a solid 9 out of 10. It's a rough week. <laughs> yeah, it is. I think if this could, I mean, this could only generally get worse if it was like a remote code execution vulnerability. Um, but this one's pretty serious. Um, so I rate this one a solid 9 out of 10. What do you think, Chad? Oh, I'd agree with Tarek. Yeah, that's it's bad. <laughs> patch. <laughs> yeah, patch. Or don't and see what happens. Don't don't patch your sandboxes because you'll... Live dangerous. Little, yeah, don't patch your honeypots. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you both for your thoughts and your well-researched information that you shared here today. But that's plenty of serious talk. Let's get into our game of two truths and a lie. This is Chad's first time up at bat, and he looks so mischievous right now. I'm shaking in my boots. I'm going to be honest with you all. But for a quick recap... Before Tarek talks about how much better he is at this than all of us. Which is a lot. <laughs> it's true. That's what the scoreboard shows. Um, the 2019 champion right right in front of me here, pumping his fist in the air like he just don't care. Um, Why didn't we buy you a novelty-sized large trophy you can drink out of every day? Oh, my God. Like, genius. at least as tall as you are. <laughs> at least. Minimum. Genius. Life-size trophy. Kelsey, get on that. <laughs> Let me prioritize that. Yeah, got that. All right. <laughs> 
It's in my project management tool. We're set. Um, okay, so just to recap, this is how the game works. Chad is going to use his innate tomfoolery to try to trick Tarek and I. He's got three different articles. One is a lie, two are truths. Whoever can suss it out gets a point, no matter how many, or with the number of people that Chad distracts from his lies, he gets a point. So we'll just do a quick tally here at the end. So Chad, with that, might you read your three articles for us? Okay. Wow. Um, Big, big shoes to fill. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's start with, um, let's go with Internet Explorer O'Day being exploited in the wild. Uh, WordPress plugins with over 300,000 installs allow admin login without password. Uh, Tesla's new Autopilot 3.0 introduces RCE vulnerability in the full self-driving system. You want to take a first stab? Well, I don't know. That's tough because all three of those feel incredibly realistic. Especially WordPress. <laughs> I know what I'm going to choose. Well, I feel like Chad knows that. He's playing to the faults of the room. All right, Tark, you guess first. I've got this Vegas confidence in me. Okay. And I think I'm going to roll snake eyes here, or roll a seven, but I'm going to go with WordPress. How much did you win at craps, by the way? I won a lot and I lost it all. Okay. Good. <laughs> Holy good. craps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm going to go with Tesla. Mm. All right. Drum roll. Ta-da. The lie is Tesla. Yes! Dang it. That was too easy. Let One the record show. Oh, <laughs> oh, man. All right. Congratulations. So, thank you. Thank you. You won your first one. I'm proud of you. Oh, what? You can't see it, but Tark is cleaning my shoe for my victory. <laughs> <laughs> The beauty of audio discussion. Too no easy. I thought, you, I thought you would step it up way harder than that. I was like, oh, the Tesla's you got the your head. low-hanging one. Yeah. Yeah. That's a double whammy, man. Yeah. Wow. I got you. Mind blown. Well, what I, I noticed is with those other two, uh, I was like, these look like they could come from any era. In yeah. any That's any true. day of the week, if there's a WordPress or IE, and like, well, yeah, of course that happens. I was like, the Tesla's too uh, easy. Yeah. It can't be, it can't be the <laughs> it can't Tesla. Be the Tesla. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Chad, you have won yourself a point. I have won myself a point. Tark, you're staying stable at one point. Thank you. Thank this you. is the first time I've ever grazed ahead of anyone in this game, and I'm just going to stay here in this, this point for a week and be very happy, and then probably <laughs> devastated once again. You should spike your microphone off the ground for a victory celebration. I think, that's I, think I will. Good. Yeah. I don't like the cockiness. I don't like it. I don't like your confidence. Excellent. Right this is getting to me. I don't like it. Your time in Vegas is rubbing off on me. Feeling good. I'm a betting woman now. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's all we have for this week. We'll see you again next week on an episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click. We'll see you then. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click. <laughs>